Ian Thorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Dante Kamenici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt spreading ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record, 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that? Good evening, afternoon, morning and hello to another episode of Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast as we come to you for episode two, a very exciting episode because this is the episode where we actually get to talk about something that's already happened. We don't sit here and talk about what we think and what we like about the Olympics and get you kind of bored about it. We get to get you bored about the opening ceremony because uh, it has happened, the Olympics have begun and actually at the time of recording this they're literally beginning right now because day one of competition is literally getting underway so we are very excited to be able to come to you for episode two to recap the opening ceremony and look ahead to day one as well as touch on some other sort of interesting news that has happened in between since when we last recorded and uh, I shall first of all start by introducing myself my name is Ben and just like the head of the Rio organizing committee of the Olympic Games I too believed in the sex of the Rio Games Uh, and joining me on the show from Emu Plains a man who is so excited to be talking about what is arguably one of the top 31 opening ceremonies in the history of the Summer Olympics. It's Jared Lubick. Jared, welcome back to Off the Podium. Thank you. Um, you're absolutely right. Top 31. Um, good placing for it. Um, They've got, they got to be happy with that. I mean, that's what they're aiming for and they've achieved that. <laughs> they have. They, they really do. And uh, speaking of being excited for his placing, the fact that Canada came out about where they usually do in the Olympics and not in the middle and NBC didn't try and rig it. It's Colin Hilding. Hello, Colin. Welcome back to Off the Podium. <laughs> came out in the Olympics. We're talking only about the opening ceremonies. It's all alphabetical. I think it's the same spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, the Portuguese alphabet, as uh, many people were completely confused. I I will admit, I had no idea (laughs) that that was happening. And when South Africa came out about fourth, I'm like going, hang on a minute, something's a little bit off about this, but we'll we'll get there. Um, I guess we should start off with general thoughts of the opening ceremony. I believe it's just finishing right about now. I think um, the uh, Thomas Bark is still uh, talking about um, how he believes in Rio. Um, I am, hmm, yeah, i got to say, not impressed. I thought it was probably the most disappointing opening ceremony I've seen personally in my lifetime. I sadly cannot remember anything prior to 1987 because I wasn't born, Um, but... I think it's up there with Sochi as one of the worst opening ceremonies I've ever seen, and I don't even know if Sochi was that bad compared to this. Uh, Colin, I think I might start with you. What what did you think of um, this very underwhelming opening ceremony? Well, uh, I mean, I'm going to agree with you. It's underwhelming. It was nothing really that spectacular. Uh, It took a while for there to be any moment that I think I'll ever remember. I think that's the biggest issue, you know. I actually like the Sochi opening ceremonies. You know, it wasn't on level with what Vancouver did or, you know, Salt Lake City even, or definitely not Torino. But for summer ones, 
the bar was set so high with Beijing that I think it'll never be topped. And the one thing I'm going to say in defense is that obviously this is the first time in a while that there hasn't been a massively wealthy country hosting the Olympics. And it's kind of unfair that Rio's gotten criticism for the fact that, oh, well, their facilities aren't up to par with what we've had in the past. And, you know, the opening ceremonies weren't up to par. They were never going to have as much to work with as Beijing was going to have or London. So in defense, I think they did a pretty good job. Um, Modern Olympic ceremonies are very different from what there was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I remember going back and watching the Calgary and Los Angeles opening ceremonies on YouTube maybe about a year ago, and it's really nothing that would be done today. Um, overall, it's I think this was just more or less forgettable. I didn't like the way it was filmed. I think that's the biggest issue. I don't know if every country, I assume every country had the same feed as far as the video goes. And there was just too much of filming like one person on the field when you have a thousand of them. It, when they're all holding those strings or when those giant spiders are walking, it's like, I don't want to see the one guy holding it. You want to see, it, this is a show that's meant to be seen from a big stadium. I think they needed to film it in a different way to make it look more impressive. But a few things did stand out. Uh, I thought the parkour sequence was fantastic. Um, the four-year-old tap dancing was pretty funny. <laughs> Maybe not you know, the, the greatest entertainment I've ever seen. Uh, but then there's some some groaners, like the... 45-minute modeling catwalk was a bit much, and <laughs> some of the, the environmental stuff, I think, was a bit heavy-handed. I think there was a subtler way to do that. Um, it, it's just, it's not something that I thought was so boring, but it's something that I definitely will not remember 10 years from now. Before I get Jared's thoughts, I have to ask one question. Did it make you want to go outside and pee on a bed of Rio 2016 flowers? Oh, you know, that's the natural way to water. That was the whole point of this ceremony is let's get back to nature. So, of course, absolutely. You had insider information. That's why you brought that up on the episode the other day about peeing on the Calgary Rosebush. You knew that this was going to be about saving the environment. Exactly, yeah. I'm in the know. You are, you are. Jared, um, what what did you think of it? Um, Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think it was a bit of a letdown. I think for me... The main thing, the pacing of it felt really off. I thought that like the initial kind of performances went really quickly um, and then the speeches drag on, which they tend to do, but it just felt like more so than usual, the speeches really dragged on. And then even like the cauldron lighting at the end was a bit underwhelming and just, yeah, there wasn't really many standout moments and the couple of moments... Um, that were there were few and far between, which was a bit of a shame. I, I think I'm one of the very few people on planet Earth who actually really enjoyed London's opening ceremony. I absolutely loved the London um, opening ceremony, and I liked it more than Beijing. Controversial, huh? But, um, you know, I just... I, I And I really was kind of hoping, you know, Brazil, party, capital, exciting, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, they talked a little bit about, obviously, Colin, as you said, you know, it's obviously not as well off, I guess, as the United Kingdom or definitely not China, Brazil. And the budget, I think, was, you know, what, a quarter or an eighth or something ridiculous of what they had in London, which is understandable. And I think kind of what you mentioned, it's, yeah, they did what they could do, but... It was the pacing you mentioned there, Jared. It was it was strange because they kept mentioning in our coverage that it was almost like a closing ceremony rather than an opening ceremony. And 
you know, generally you get an opening ceremony. It tells a great history of the of the nation that you that you're watching. You know, obviously Brazil's never had the Olympics before. Not a lot of people know a whole lot about Brazil. I mean, we got the a very brief story of it, but it's just kind of something like the opening part was over before you even thought about it. Here come the countries, and then the speeches, and then we had a random, you know, samba carnival moment, and then the torch was probably the most boring lighting of a torch I think I've ever seen. Um, and, yeah, it was just... It was very much over the shop. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, this message, the whole environmental part aspect of which I'm sure we'll touch on but I mean they always come out and they always have oh this is the theme of it and I think they were talking about it being celebrating the future doing more with less I think that's just basically what they were given when they first sat down like okay guys we're doing opening ceremony for the Olympics it's like we've got a hundred dollars this is what we can afford um and they spent 99 dollars of that and getting Giselle um who is still walking in the stadium with the speeches <laughs> um apparently her last ever catwalk can we point that out I don't know if that was announced. He did mention that here, too. Yeah, they did, yeah. Well, she's retiring from catwalk modeling. Oh, what are we ever going to do with ourselves? Um, cause well, thank I goodness they went out with a bang. I know, right? Um, I really don't know too much about Giselle. Do we do... Colin, are you a Giselle... But- I can't even say her last name. I'm not even going to attempt to say her last name. Giselle, are you a fan of Mrs. Tom Brady? Um, I know her name. I know that she's married to tom brady i think most of that knowledge came from watching the commentary of her walking last night (laughs) (laughs) i I have to say i would love that job of being the commentator at an opening ceremony you obviously get given a stack full of notes so it's like okay this is the part where this happens you got to sound really knowledgeable and we'll talk about that soon when it comes to the countries coming out because they get very interesting facts but can you imagine, like, you know, I don't know who is the Canadian host, but, I mean, Jared, with Bruce McAvaney, actually, it wasn't even Bruce at that point, wasn't it? It was um, Basil Zemplis and Gian Rooney, wasn't it, at that point, or whoever it was. And um, was it Gian Rooney? She wasn't doing the opening ceremony, was she? What, who am I thinking of? Um, I don't know. I think w- when I was watching, it was just um, Bruce and... Um Andrew Gaze. Andrew Gaze, but, but yeah, maybe there was somebody before that in between that I just didn't notice that they'd switched over. Anyway, but I just, I mentioned the notes, like, Basil, here's your notes you need on Giselle Bunchin, Giselle Brady. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, modelling is, I, I thought there would be, I mean, there's more famous Brazilians than Giselle, is there not? Like, who's some other famous Brazilians we didn't see there? Well, the fact you're asking who are some famous Brazilians (laughs) shows maybe there isn't. (laughs) I can list a bunch of Formula One drivers, but, I mean, that's not going to get us far, but... Abby um, Maria Gomez, people. Hey, well, exactly, exactly. You know, where was Abby? Um, (laughs) You know, um, uh, Jenna Maraska, she won in the Amazon, so... (laughs) I'm trying to stretch it here. Um, you are familiar I, I with other shows and really Googling quick right now. <laughs> it's interesting, Colin, what you mentioned, sort of watching the old kind of opening ceremonies because, like, they were much more prop-heavy. I mean, probably Sydney really would have been the last one that didn't really have to rely on, like, LCD screens. I remember Athens obviously had the big lake and had a lot of projections on that. But, I mean, Sydney didn't really have that. I mean, we had a whole bunch of great props and things like that. I mean, there were props in this to an extent with obviously the, the buildings, but d- do you miss the days of props, Colin, or do we like the sort of projections and fancy screen work that we seem to get now in opening ceremonies? 
I kind of like a mix of both. Uh, I thought like the digital projection here was pretty good. It was nowhere on level with what we've seen in past Olympics. Um, but there is something about like you know just a giant crowd of people orchestrating something and you know good costumes, big props. So having a mix of both, and this one did have a mix of that, I think. But um, yeah, overall it was just everything we saw on the field was very one note. It wasn't like, like, and I hate, I'm the one who's saying it's unfair to compare it to Beijing, but I'll keep bringing it up. But, you know, in Beijing, you just had like these massive sequences of like drumming and dancing and stuff like that. And everything just seemed very stiff for most of the ceremony until they got to the parkour stuff, which again was the part that I really liked. Uh, I, I mean, ultimately, the Olympic ceremonies are going to change in another five to ten years anyways. You know, technology is going to get to the point where we're just going to have artificial intelligence robots on the field doing everything. <laughs> so maybe well, we we're should in Tokyo just enjoy next. it well. I mean, God knows what we're going to get with Tokyo. Yo, oh, yeah. I never even thought of that. <laughs> um, Jared, obviously, one thing that I'll note for, uh, for Australians with the props, uh, I'm sure you noticed the giant goon bags at the start of this opening ceremony that made us feel very... Uh, proud to be Australians in Brazil. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm glad that they can just use anything for anything. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a bonus. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think um, the best ceremonies have been the ones where there's, there have been a mix of, of both. And this, I don't know, there was just no real standout moment either way. There wasn't kind of a, a moment where there was a huge kind of massive people working together to kind of pull something off. Um or like a, a big projection or um, just something that was a kind of real wow moment and that was just what was missing from the from the ceremony. We should mention uh, one of the men behind it, Fernando Morales. Morales? Morales? Um, Brazilian film director. There's a famous Brazilian. Um, now there's your Brazilian who should have done the catwalk. <laughs> Well, he's too busy directing it. Um, you know, uh, he's nominated for Academy Award for Best Director for City of God back in 2002. Um, wow. One of your favourite films, of course, Colin, I believe, is it not? Or Well, I actually haven't seen it, but I, it is a very famous movie. It was it was huge, like, about 10, 15 years ago, I guess. Well, the, what's his name? Uh, Danny, is it Danny Boyle? Danny uh, Boyle. He did London, Yeah, Danny Boyle did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, some other highlights, I guess, we can sort of loosely go over. Um, you know, obviously, you mentioned the parkour moment there, Colin. Um, we had the whole giant bugs crawling around, um, the arrival of the Europeans and the meeting the, in, the indigenous uh, people of Brazil. And then we had the... I had no idea that Brazil apparently claimed they invented the plane. Um, there you go. I did learn something today. Um, I couldn't tell you who, but the Brazilian right brother um, flew over Rio. That was good. Um, and we, of course, get the tried and true tradition of having a young child telling the story. Uh, nothing can beat Nikki Webster, of course, Jared. We all uh, still are very much fond of dear old Nikki, uh, 16 years after Sydney. Yep, she's she's gone a long way from there. <laughs> now, now, Colin, do you... I think there was a little girl from memory in the Vancouver opening ceremony. Did she go on to become a big celebrity in Canada, or do you have no idea who I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, I can't even remember. Uh, I'm sure, though, that now... Six years later, as she's at the age of 11, she's famous worldwide, so somebody's going to correct us on it. 
Well, just for, for those, Colin and other people who may have no idea about Nikki Webster in the Sydney Olympics, she was, what, I think 13, perhaps, maybe? Um, you know, the whole story of everything was based around young little Nikki Webster, who then came out and released Strawberry Kisses, I think, about a month later, didn't she, Jared? And um, it's both on our iPods. We love it. Um, like, became a pop star for a month, and then she became a national joke. Um, she runs a dance studio, I believe, in Sydney. I interviewed her, actually, many years ago. We tracked her down, because we used to just rip shit into her on our radio show. We found her. It wasn't that far hard to find her. I basically, you know, she came to me, like, Ben, please interview me. Um, but, um, yeah, that's basically where you get from being a little kid in the opening ceremony. So, a little four-year-old tap dancing. Um, he's going on to release another pop song or something. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of losing track here. I'm trying to remember all the others. I'm reading here. <laughs> this is how much I remember from the opening ceremony. Um, there were large projections of green lights and there was the whole climate change business. Um, <laughs> okay. The way that you said that there's large projections of green light, like... I, I want to see the pitch meeting for this. We're like, we're going to have, like, digital projection. Oh, what are we going to have? Like, some some incredible design, some 3D. It's like, we're going to introduce green. <laughs> and then maybe some blue. And it was, I remember, a lot, like, opening ceremonies, like, how they had the whole big countdown clock before they get to it. And then they kind of have all these little moments. It just seemed like they weren't into it too much at the beginning there, Brazil. It was kind of a very... I don't know, mundane beginning. I don't, but maybe that just set the bar for it. Maybe I'm just still complaining about it. It's only been about 12 hours. As I said, it's still going right now. But um, we should mention quickly as well, um, it was at the Mar- Marcarana St- I can never say that stadium, the Marcarana Stadium, and it's unique the fact that they actually won't Macarena, have athletics. what? The Macarena Stadium, yes. Los Del Rio are still performing there. But this is interesting. They're not... This Usually, the athletics is performed... Uh, well, performed, held... At the, it's all fake athletics. It's it's not real. It's performed. Um, it's usually <laughs> held at the uh, the main stadium. Is this? I mean, is this something we care about, Colin? Do we give a shit? I mean, it's an interesting way of doing it, I guess. Um, what are we talking about again? <laughs> That's the motto of this show. Uh, the fact that um, <laughs> athletics is not being held in the main stadium, so they're only using the the main stadium for the football finals, um, and no athletics. Mm. Don't know if you knew that. I, I, I didn't know that. Well, because this morning I was just watching before we started here. The uh, they were breaking down on TV all the different venues and what they'd be hosting. And I actually thought they were saying it was held in the main stadium. I was looking forward to that because I think it is a fantastic stadium. It, mm-hmm. it would look great with the, that crowd surrounding it. So, I mean, I'll kind of reserve judgment until I see the athletic stadium. I guess. I guess, really, I mean, Jared, for ask your opinion, I mean, it, it's no different to the Winter Olympics. I mean, they don't hold any events in the, the stadiums where they have the Winter Olympics opening and closing ceremonies. So, you know, taking a leaf out of those. Jared, do you give a shit that they're not having the athletics there? <laughs> it's a really weird question that I'm asking on the show today. <laughs> not particularly, but I mean, if, if they wanted to save a little bit of money for the opening ceremony, I mean, that could have been a way to do that. <laughs> well, exactly. Instead of building a different stadium. Could have just had the athletics on at the same time. I've got to save money. Like you're saying, just run between the torches. Quick, hurry up, you'll still win. Um, I guess we could talk about the whole climate change message. I, it hasn't really been done before, the whole let's have a big, important message to the world. Um, and this stage, it was climate change. It's bad. Don't do it. You know, stop turning on your lights and using fossil fuels and shit. Um, Jared, is this going to pave the way, do you feel now, for opening ceremonies moving forward that 
nowadays we're going to have a message that has to be shared to the world? Um, I mean, it could do. I feel like it was kind of a we run out of things to perform, so somebody think of a theme and we'll run with it. I think um, in other opening ceremonies, you probably... They, I feel like just countries just wouldn't want to take the time to that. They'd be kind of busy... Um, telling their story about their history and um, putting the largest amount of time into that rather than going with a theme or a message. And I think here it it felt like, I suppose it kind of felt like an afterthought, like, oh, we want to be remembered for something positive. Um, (laughs) I don't, yeah, I just, it felt, it just felt weird. Um, And I was a fan of the message too, but I just, I don't know. If there's action that follows it, great, but who knows. It's kind of interesting to kind of go back on past Olympics now and think, like, what could have the message been? Like, if it was London, like, now, it would have been, Brexit is good! Um, And, like, (laughs) Vancouver, um, I don't even know, Colin, what would Vancouver's message be? Like, oh... We're going to win in hockey, again. (laughs) Yes, this is why we were winning hockey. Did you like the message, Colin? Is this setting the bar high now for let's, you know, create a message to the world? Well, I mean, I said earlier, I kind of stand by it. I think that it was heavy-handed and there's a subtler way to do it. I think that you need to be subtle when doing something like this because you don't control what countries get the next Olympics. And the Olympics isn't something that's about politics, which is why, you know, they can go to a country like uh, Russia, follow with Brazil, you know, and we have China in there. None of these countries are really... uh, they're not really similar in any way in their political views or anything like that. In fact, they're very much opposed. But that's not what the Olympics is about. So when you do introduce this, it's not that, you know, I'm being critical of the message because I I like, for example, one of the subtler things they did was the cauldron. It was a smaller flame and everything. And they weren't going out of their way to say, we're doing this because people with the big flames are killing the planet. You know, that's a little bit too much. But I like the idea. They said, well, the smaller cauldron, the smaller flame, you know, it's it's supposed to be just about conserving, you know, just the, the fuel for this one flame that can make a difference. But when they get so heavy handed, the problem is, is that you're opening it up for other countries in the future. So I think everybody is familiar with the Germany or the, the, the Berlin Olympics during Hitler's time. And there was very heavy handed political messages in there. Now, just because you know, we may agree with what Rio's doing but not agree with Berlin, that doesn't change the fact that what Rio does is making it possible. So the next time they go back to China, China's going to be having, you know, communist messages in theirs. And the, the next in, time uh, we go... Time. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So it's very close. And you, you know right now that China's already thinking, well, well, this is allowed now. What can we do? Next time we go back to Russia, it's going to be, hey, all the athletes take steroids or something like that. I don't know. But uh, it's just it, it opens it opens the door for any country to put whatever message they want in there. I think that's dangerous. I really do think it should just be about tell the story of your country and if you're going to do something like this, make it subtle. See, if Hobart had been successful in getting the 2020 Olympics, our message would have been simple. It's like, we are part of Australia, please remember that. Um, and <laughs> clearly in Korea in two years time for the Winter Olympics, it's going to be like, we're better than the people above us. Don't nuke us. Um, so 
Hello to all our Korean listeners. Uh, just a couple of things. I want to get on the Parade of Nations, but just a couple of other things we should quickly mention because we'll talk about the torch separately. Um, uh, just a, a random fact here. I did not know this. Uh, Leah T, uh, who performed, um, is the first ever transgender woman to participate at the Olympic Games. Um, fantastic. Good. There's a bit of uh, history for you there. Um the speeches is still is still going. Thomas Bark is still talking. Yeah. <laughs> just, sorry, I've just got a message handed to me. He's still trying to, you know, talk about it. Um, I did really like in the speech part uh, the the head of the Rio organizing committee, Carlos Arthur Newsman. Uh, who apparently was a volleyball um, 1964 in Tokyo. He said that about 100 times. He was so nervous. Did you notice how much his hands were shaking throughout? Mm, kind of, poor guy. <laughs> feel sorry for him. But I had to laugh when he did say um, that he always believed in the sex of the Rio guy, the success of the Rio Olympic Games. <laughs> I don't know if anyone picked that up. Um, I always love excited, you know, head of the organizing committees and then we did have this this sort guy's of... been watching beach volleyball like <laughs> yes. all week just waiting for this <laughs> and then we had the whole interesting um awarding of what was it the scholarship or, or something along those lines i mean what what, what actually was that whole bit because that went on for about a hundred years and then the guy who won it sounded like the squeaky pimply voice guy from the simpsons he's like i'm so happy <laughs> to receive this award <laughs> But, and just quickly, uh, feel free, one, any of you, to jump in here, uh, thoughts on these separately. But um, did we notice, we've already mentioned Abby Maria for a reference to Survivor Oz, download via iTunes today. Uh, did we notice that a certain former head of MI6 was reading a poem? Uh, Shorthead women, Colin, Judy Dench was involved in this. I had no idea, but I was excited. Uh, well, I, if anybody has listened to Double R Seven, download by <laughs> iTunes, uh, then they know Ben's opinion on short-haired women, uh, <laughs> British short-haired women, uh, elderly short-haired women. Uh, yeah, put a wig on her; it'll be all right. <laughs> oh, I was I was so happy that we had Judy Dent. Two uh, opening ceremonies in a row now, featuring James Bond references. Um, I'm looking forward to Gustav Graves uh, performing fencing in Tokyo. Um, <laughs> oh, no. We brought him up the other day for Monopoly. <laughs> and we've had two Die Another Day references. You brought it up the other day. Um, just I regret it. Um, anything to add on any of those bits before we talk about the Parade of Nations, Colin? I'm just rambling here, just trying to... I mean, seriously, we've literally covered the whole opening ceremony, I feel. Yeah, um, I, I don't know... I don't think I really have anything to say on the speeches. Does anybody watch the speeches? Um, <laughs> I think you did cover it all. I think you covered it in the same length that Thomas Bach did. <laughs> He's a little dweeby man, isn't he, Thomas? Like, he, I mean, he won gold in fencing. Like, he, did he do that by just being so short that he could just duck underneath the, like, the sword? Like, seriously, he's standing there. I thought he was like a little hobbit. He's a weird-looking thing. I'm allowed to say it. he's that a man, one. that's not sexist, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm just covering my bases. Jared, Thomas Bach, I mean, bring back Jacques Rock. I liked him. Where's Juan Antonio, his excellency? Like, he's not, he's dead, I know, but Thomas Bach, he's still going. He won't shut up. Yeah, he doesn't have the same, um, how would you even put it? I don't know. He's just not the same as, 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 as the others. He doesn't have that commanding authority. It's just... Everything that he says, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, move on. 
Get off the he's stage, just, next person. He's just standing there with Carlos. He's like going on and on and on and on. He's just sort of standing there. He's like a little robot munchkin. He's just sort of like, I'm so happy to be here. And then like he talks and he's got he's just, I don't know. And the whole speech of his was just like, yes, Rio, believe it would work. Please stop complaining. We've got Tokyo in four Wait, years. Look forward to that. Dracula here. <laughs> I will suck your blood. <laughs> I am Thomas Bach. Give me. Uh, I will say, like, um, I think there are people out there who will teach people how to speak in front of a crowd, and I think you need to get these people involved in the ceremonies. Don't worry so much about the digital projection or the costumes or anything like that. Where is the slap chop guy right now? Like, he could be sitting down and, and teaching all these people how to deliver a speech with a little bit of energy, a little bit of, uh, um, charisma it's not that unheard of to have you know a speech coach come in and just say let's liven it up a bit because i don't think anybody really wants to watch speeches drone on like this you get the slap chop guy in there and that's gonna be fun i'm just literally looking at his wikipedia picture and he just looks like a munchkin (laughs) he's like (laughs) munchkin mixed with the count from sesame street one olympic games right There we go. Just the Let whole. One, two, three. <laughs> He's just standing there as the countries come out for four countries. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> just going there. I mean, he's what? He's the first ever Olympic medalist or gold medalist, at least, to be a president. And I know um, our very own John Coates, I believe, is the vice president, Jared. So, I mean, we could have an Australian president of the IOC, hopefully soon. At least that would be a bit more exciting, wouldn't it? <laughs> G'day, mate. Welcome to the bloody Rio Olympics. Let's, let's open these things. <laughs> Don't open the games. <laughs> you wanted your countdown. That would have been the perfect way to come in. And five, four, three, two, one. The Olympics. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of the olympics the nations now um these were done in the order of the portuguese alphabet which really wasn't advertised too well i didn't actually i i then later read that there's apparently a rule that um the official language of the olympics is of course the host country's language so therefore as they enter the arena they come out in that alphabet so the portuguese alphabet so that's why south africa came out after Afghanistan, a third into the stadium. Um, I found it interesting, actually, that um, NBC in America basically tried to pay the IOC to make sure America was still at the end because they were like, oh, people will watch it if America at the end. No, they probably oh. still wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> but it's it's always fascinating, the, the Parade of Nations. I mean, we had a record number, of course, 207, uh, two new countries this year, South Sudan and Kosovo. And, of course, uh, we had the refugee Olympic team as well. But, I mean, you, you kind of... It you come from the first win- time. Hooray! Well, exactly. Well done. Good on good on them. Three teams. Um, but, like, it's you, you watch the Winter Olympics. There's, what, like 80 countries in the Winter Olympics? This is, like, every country in the world, essentially. So it's kind of like... Put your feet up, relax. And my favourite part of this is the commentators trying to, like, stretch. They're like, oh, and here comes Palau. They've got some athletes there, don't they, Andrew? Yes, they do, Bruce. Look at their T-shirts. Oh, here comes Papua New Guinea. <laughs> like, 
I don't know. How's the Canadian representative here, Colin? I mean, do they have to come up with the most random facts for Myanmar and Mongolia as they're coming out into the stadium? Actually, the, the Canadian commentators made it a little bit more watchable because they, they came up with, like, real statistics and a lot of it was... Um, uh, you know, talking about the athlete and the sport they're in instead of like, oh, well, this is what the country is that they'll talk about that one athlete and say, oh, well, they almost missed out, you know, on this Olympics. Um, they also had a lot of interviews backstage. So when some of these countries that had a lot more athletes were going on, instead of having to sit there and talk, you know, forever uh, for six minutes as one country's coming out, they'd go back. Okay, five minutes ago, we had the flag bearer from this country backstage and here's a quick interview and they'll show that on a split screen as the athletes are walking so that was actually pretty good um i I will say that the fact that you know every single country in the world is pretty much represented i'm sure i wasn't the only one who was sitting there probably at least a dozen times during this that's not a real country (laughs) they're making this one up Dominica, weren't they just there before the Republic? Dominican Republic, what, they're just making, the, they're just eating extra air time. <laughs> Every country's going to start splitting into, we're going to, United States of America, Western United States of America. <laughs> Texas. Uh, <laughs> just sneak, Michael Phelps. Uh, he's just his own country at the next Olympics. <laughs> I should mention, though, like, you know, in all mockingness aside, Bruce McAvaney, absolute legend. The guy is just God amongst commentators in Australia. He knows his stuff. He is very intelligent. And, yes, he did do exactly kind of what you were mentioning there, Colin. He has random facts. And, you know, I learnt, I think, that 16 of the flag... No, 19 of the flag bearers were uh, judo athletes. Um, I don't know if you knew that, Colin, with your Canadian commentators, but... um, Well, I I didn't know that from the commentators, but as a good Olympic viewer, I knew that going into this Olympics. Of course you did, absolutely, of course. (laughs) Right in the back Um, of my head. (laughs) But, uh, Jared, I don't know, like, what's your take on, particularly, I guess, how Bruce and Andrew Gaze, who, for those who have no idea who Andrew Gaze is, uh, but basically Australia's Michael Jordan, he's our best ever basketballer ever, and he carried the flag for Australia in the Sydney Olympics back in 2000. So I guess he had a bit of experience, although I did have to cringe every time he would go, oh, he's not holding the flag, right? You've got to put two hands on it and wave it a bit more enthusiastically. <laughs> like, Thanks, Andrew. Um, Jared, what, what was your take on their coverage of the great nations of the world? I thought they did a fairly good job keeping it interesting. I mean, I kind of tune out to the commentary at that point anyway because I'm just watching to see what, um, country has the most hideous outfits and hoping that it's not Australia this time around. Um, but yeah, they did a decent job. I I do kind of cringe at, at the points in time where they kind of compare Australia to other countries and, and rub in a little bit. I think it was, was with Spain. They rubbed in a little bit that, oh, we've won more gold medals than them and look at their population, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> they did it with Canada. Did you notice Canada when they came mm, out? They did like, it a couple Bruce of times. Is, yeah. like, oh, we're doing very well compared to them. Blah blah blah. It was um, wait, wait, so Canada. Bit, you were, you were oh. bragging about the fact that you're better in the Summer Olympics in Canada, a country that's under ice eight months of the no, year. Like, Andrew guys literally goes. Oh, they've only won, like, 60 gold medals. That surprised me for how good Canada usually are. And it's like, <laughs> Andrew, you're watching the wrong Olympics, okay? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it is kind of funny, our way of um, talking about countries. And 
like New Zealand come out and you know they've got joint flag bearers I don't know if that's like a first good on New Zealand um, that's like literally half their team I had somebody team. say on New Zealand here too. oh please do please do <laughs> I'm I'm watching this, and I, I had no idea about the rivalry with New Zealand before I started podcasting with you guys. Uh, but I'm watching it with my wife, and as New Zealand comes out, I'm looking at the giant caveman fur coats that these flag bearers are wearing for whatever odd reason. And I'm like, oh, Ben's going to have a field day with this. And my wife's like, why? Is he from New Zealand? I thought he was Australian. And I'm like, no, he's from Australia. It's like, oh, so this is Australians? I'm like, no, this New Zealand. And then she's like, Wait, so why is he going to feel there? Because they look stupid, that's why. And she's like, but he's not from New Zealand. He's like, yeah, but they just hate them, okay? <laughs> well, they wear very fetching fur coats for New Zealanders, I guess. Um, you know. now, I want um, to I mean, talk look- a bit about, just before we move on, I don't know if we're going to cover this at all, but like the wardrobe ch- choices. <laughs> is it just me or in the winter? Is there a lot more variety? And yes. every country is kind of representing... I swear, 90% of the countries were wearing those ugly, like, high school prep school jackets yep. that every country had with, like, an emblem on it. But then you just have some countries that they had, like, you know, something that was a little bit more cultural. And New Zealand's one of the ones that was striking to me because they were wearing just regular outfits and their flag bearers were dressed as, like, you know, something got a quest for fire. I didn't understand it. <laughs> So they, why they, they were, literally spent their budget on trying to win medals. They were like, now stuff the outfits, bro, yeah. let's win some medals. <laughs> They're like, we got to represent our culture somehow. They just skinned like an animal on the way into the stadium. It's like, no, we got to do something unique here. But like, I don't understand why every country was wearing the same blazer and then other countries got to do something unique. Like, is there a reason for that? I I don't know. Um, Jared, do you have any thoughts, perhaps, on, on that? Because, yeah, I, I think I have, there's so many countries this year. Like, we usually see so many outstanding ones, but I'm struggling to remember the standouts this year. Yeah, it's kind of... It, it feels like it's um, the countries that just can't be bothered. Um, maybe they make, they make the athletes buy their own clothes. Here are his $10. Go and buy a blazer. Um <laughs> Yeah, and just not even interesting blazers, like no patterns or anything, just plain colour, um, usually clashing with whatever pants they had on. Um, although there <laughs> were some Aust- countries, I think Sweden. Australia's baby blue with the gold ties. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, very, um, you know, mm. private school-esque. <laughs> not our worst, Colin. Um, Google Athens and you'll see perhaps the lovely green spray jacket with white lines on it that we decided to wear um, 12 years ago. But, um, yeah, I, perhaps maybe they were like, oh, we're going to Brazil, your clothes will get stolen anyway, we're not going to spend too much on it. So um, that's perhaps maybe what they did, not too sure. The standout, though, um, I don't know if he's getting much coverage over there in Canada, Colin, but the uh, the flag bearer from Tonga, Peter Tafa Tufa, a taekwondo athlete who work, walked out in essentially a loincloth and had oiled himself up. Um, <laughs> he's getting a lot of coverage here in Australia. Jared, what did you think of that? That was a, you know, our very near neighbours of Tonga. They certainly stood out. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to be the flag bearer, you may as well do something different. So, um, good on him. It was certainly interesting and the crowd got a kick out of it. I personally love the fact that some of these countries had volunteers as their flag bearers. <laughs> like, they obviously have, like, like Eritrea, I'm looking here, their flag bearer was volunteer. 
<laughs> so they have no athletes that can properly represent them. So they got like the bus driver who <laughs> chaperones them for the day. And I like the fact during the commentary, I can't remember which nation it was. I had like literally one athlete. And then Andrew Gaze is like, oh, they had pretty good odds of being selected as a flag bearer. <laughs> <laughs> don't say i personally love the little bikes that rode out in front of them with the little signs on it and i noticed that um it was burundi didn't have a bike so i don't know why burundi missed out they had 206 bikes and they did a straw pile oh sorry burundi you don't get a bike you just get somebody carrying a sign and then the little kids with the plants next to them wasn't that sweet so you know um uh, research here um mr uh, greased up taekwondo I think the reason he's getting a lot of press in Australia is because it says he's Australian-born. Oh, right. Well, there you go. So, okay. Well. I, it's, the funny thing is, it's I, I'm looking around, and you see a lot of American coverage. I guess it was kind of a striking image, but I don't know, for whatever reason, here in Canada, we just see stuff like this all the time. So, <laughs> just, this is... <laughs> when I walk into work, some people are in business, and some people are bare-chested with loincloths. In Winnipeg, it's just oiled up Tongans. They're everywhere. It's exactly. just it's just a natural, natural day for me. Um, oh, g'day, Peter. Just oiled up again today. On you go. Jared, I'm surprised we haven't started claiming him yet as Aussie. What, as, wait till um, he wins a medal. <laughs> as Aussie Peter. Yes, yeah. Exactly. As soon as he wins a medal. Oh, he's Australian. Yep. Yep, he's definitely... Oh, all the way. Oh, we're putting that on the medal you, tally. <laughs> you could have gone into it with your commentary and been like, yo, you know, surprisingly they don't have more uh, athletes that have won medals here because, of course, the majority of them have won have been Australian-born. <laughs> I love I love the little facts, though, that you learn about these countries. Like, Jamaica, I like. I think they had um, 69 medals they've won in the Olympics. 68 of them have come in athletics. Now, here's a trivia fact for either of you. I had to Google this because I had no idea. What, what does Jamaica win medals in? And it's not bobsled. Can either of you tell me, without Googling it, what other sport Jamaica has won a medal in and the history of the Olympics that isn't athletics? Um, I'm trying to just think about what they could be good at. Uh, <laughs> basketball? <laughs> no, not basketball. You have a guess, Jared? This is the trivia um, of the day. Let's go with shooting. No, cycling. <laughs> they won a medal in the Cycl- Moscow Olympics in cycling. So, there you go. My second guess was rhythmic cycling, so I think I'm close. <laughs> yeah, the, the, where they throw the ribbons in the air, of course. Um, they're very <laughs> good at that in Jamaica. Just uh, quickly on some of the flag bearers, uh, several notable flag bearers. Obviously, Michael Phelps, the key one for America. But lots of tennis players. Andy Murray, um, you would have been happy with this. Jared Rafa, he got to carry Spain's. Mm. Caroline Wozniacki, the only time she's ever been first in anything, um, was carrying the flag out for Denmark. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> It's funny they pick her now when she's playing so badly. Yeah, yeah. She was number one in the world for a couple of years, but no. Without we'll just stick her in now when she like... won in a couple of years. Yes. There was, um, I can't remember which car, I should have written this down, but there was a guy they said was the second time he'd been flag bearer. <laughs> so whichever country that was, obviously they've clearly got a lot of um, athletes to go around. Were you were you happy with um, with your representative there from Miss McLennan there, Colin? Did you think she waved that maple leaf proudly? Everything Rosie McLennan does does this country proud. She is uh, <laughs> pretty much the next prime minister, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, oh. She's a lock. Wow, gee, you've got a very popular prime minister right now, so you must be even more popular. 
<laughs> She's Rosie McLennan, of course. <laughs> Jared, were you happy with Anna Mir's performance uh, out there with the the Aussie flag? She she seemed to she seemed to do it well. Uh, it was decent. Um, there's room for improvement in the closing ceremony. So um, luckily, she hasn't set the bar too high for whoever gets that job. Um, but yeah, it was okay. They'd strapped the flag to her feet. Probably would have been better. But um, <laughs> we'll go with it. Uh, my favourite um, flag bearer was the flag bearer from Bhutan, uh, whose name is Karma. Um, she uh, is an archer, and her name is literally Karma. So <laughs> clearly, what goes around comes around for um, Karma. There, anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> with uh, with the Canadian coverage, like I said, they did pretty good with all the countries. When it did get to Jamaica. Um, I don't know if I, I, I probably wasn't the only one who's looking for Usain Bolt in the crowd there, but the Canadian commentators being Canadian were almost too polite to say they were disappointed he wasn't there or holding the flag. They're like, and, and it's like quiet and they're stumbling. They're like, um, do, do you see him there? They didn't even want to say the name. Do you see him? And like, um, I don't see, I mean, you're referring to, to, of course, and he's like, yeah, Usain Bolt. Like, they didn't want to come right out and say it. Like, it, oh, we don't want to draw too much attention to the fact that the one guy we wanted to see seems to be absent. So please move quickly, Jamaica. Well, we should mention that their flag, actual flag bearer, Shelley Ann Fraser-Price, who's got more names than a phone book, she's also going for three gold in 100 metres in a row. Like, she is the female Usain Bolt. And her hair, did you notice that? The green and yellow, that was amazing. And I read that she apparently took three hours to do her hair before she went into the opening ceremony. So great work there. I just wanted to mention, um, just on the... Uh, Channel 7 commentary, the fact that it's made a little bit of news. I don't know if you paid attention to this, Jared. When Aruba walk out into the stadium, uh, Bruce McAvaney, the legendary man himself, uttered the following phrase. So Aruba, not only a country, but also the opening word of a Beach Boys song. (laughs) (laughs) And you can see why that is making headlines for its cringeworthy moment, because Andrew Gaze followed that up by singing... Uh, the opening part of Kokomo. So, <laughs> can you please just find a clip of that on YouTube to send me? I have to hear that in person. Yeah. Oh, everyone's googling it right now. that, Jared. Chile, not just a country, but also my favorite spicy food. <laughs> Hungry, not just a country, but what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> that's that's the low point, Jared. I believe in Bruce McAvaney's commentary career. <laughs> yeah, he'll be kicking himself for that one. I just love the fact that Andrew Gaze ran with it. Like you don't just you maybe just ignore that. Like good call, Bruce. But what a team! They're very good athletes. They're in a room. You don't just start singing Kokomo. <laughs> Did when it got to Bermuda, was he like a ne- next is Bahamas? Come on, pretty mama. <laughs> I think it would have been funny if, like, the Brazilian organised, like, that would have been a good in-joke. Oh, the Portuguese alphabet. It's, um, Aruba, Jamaica. <laughs> Who I want to take Or the country of, oh, I want to take ya. That's what we're naming the refugees in, in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, we've just officially named, we want to start a petition to officially name the refugee country. Who I want to take <laughs> And here comes the athlete from, oh, I want to take you. 
<laughs> Who thought we could I... get this much hilarity out of the parade of athletes? I guarantee you that Kokomo will be number one in the ARIA charts here in Australia on Sunday. Bruce McAvaney has that much sway for music in Australia. Oh, well, they made a mistake. It wasn't the first time Kosovo has been in the Olympics. It was the first time Kokomo had been in the Olympics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Um, I guess, yeah, the only, at least you guys have anything that we've skimmed over here. Did you not have, did you have something funny to mention about the Canadian commentary, Colin, or was that it, about the same Bolt part? <laughs> no, just, just the awkwardness of them not wanting to say they were disappointed he wasn't there. Um, I did want to talk a bit, because you mentioned, like, how Andy Murray was the flag bearer and everything, Rafa Nadal. Uh, maybe this is just a personal thing, and I, I like tennis in the Olympics, and I understand certain sports, they like hockey and basketball they've made it okay well we'll we'll allow professional athletes in there but personally when it comes to a flag bear like i think the olympics even though it's great to have you know tennis basketball hockey things like that in there when it comes to the olympics it's the amateur athletes i think that really should be showcased like the real amateur athletes and when you have a flag bear that's pulling down 70 million a year it's i don't feel i don't feel like it's the same as having somebody out there who is in a loincloth because they can't afford something better or whatever. I don't know. Or Rosie McClendon, like somebody who really is doing this just for the love of the sport. It's just that's just a personal thing on my part. Uh, I'm a fan of Rafa Nadal. I think that you know he. I'll be rooting for him almost as much as Milos Raonic. But I don't know about that as a choice for flag bearer, especially when you have such a large country. Jared, I know you're a huge tennis fan. I know Novak Djokovic carried it out in London. Did Roger Federer not also carry it for Switzerland, I think, at one point? Um, Mm. Maybe off the top of my head. I mean, what's your take on that? Um, I've never really thought about it too much. And because I'm such a big Rafa fan, um, it was exciting, particularly because he was scheduled to carry the flag in London and then miss out on the Olympics. So I was happy that he got the chance to do it. But no, I can see the point. Um, It is a little bit extra special when it is somebody who... Um, has had to really, I suppose, fight for their spot on that team, and that's not what they're doing full-time. Um, especially if, it's, if they have a big success story at the Olympics, if it's their fifth Olympics or or sixth or it's their first and they just made it, um, it does make it a little bit extra special when it's somebody who has um, that little bit of more of a story behind it. Like Karma from Bataan. She is just the yeah. epitome of, um, of that message it, it is interesting i mean well, i think uh, i was just gonna say i i think between the two though i would rather you know an opening ceremony flag bear be you know this rich athlete than because i think the closing ceremonies is where you're really rewarding who meant the most to the games in that olympics so i i think it's a little bit more acceptable for the opening ceremonies because it's just well let's put somebody out there that the whole country is going to know and be proud to have representing them i really hope that um whatever that country was that had the one athlete with andrew gaze's you know expert commentary that come the closing ceremony he also says the same thing oh they had a great olympics didn't they their one athlete um probably <laughs> will carry the flag at the closing ceremony too just a guess um, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the lighting of the tour, and it's generally also where it gets extremely exciting. Oh, just actually, before we do that, sorry, one thing we should mention, the, the symbolism of the whole climate change kerfuffle, uh, they had the whole seed, where they planted the seed in those giant silver, uh, tower things, which I thought looked like sunglass racks, 
Um, but, I mean, that was kind of cool. They're going to create a forest of the athletes, 10,000 trees or something along those lines. And they, they did, they then used it to form the Olympic rings that had big, I mean, that was a nice little image. I think, I mean, mm-hmm. Colin, we can agree with that. Sure. That was nice. And all of the Olympic rings were there, which was nicer. It, well, exactly. <laughs> yes. They learnt from Sochi when, you know, the five volunteers who formed that last ring haven't been seen since. <laughs> so, uh yes excited jared i mean that was nice you liked the, the whole green rings and stuff yeah that was probably my favorite part of the environmental message they could have done away with the whole um video even though i did enjoy um judy dench speaking um Ooh, this doesn't. was kind of the high this was the highlight of that environmental message that they went with i thought it was really cool to have all the athletes involved um, even though some of them looked a bit confused and were, and were using the, I suppose, seed bank or whatever you want to call it to um, hang up their flags that they just used in their march in. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it was really good. Nice one touch. Thing I, one thing I'll quickly say, the stadium did look incredibly empty when they, because generally you see all the athletes and they're waiting around and it looks really full. But like, for example, I know Australia only had, I think, like a quarter of their 400, like only about 100 athletes march. I don't know how mm. many of Canada's march, Colin, but... I'm like, it seems like less and less athletes are marching. I wouldn't care if I was a swimmer and I was getting up the next morning at six o'clock to swim. I'm, I'm marching in the opening ceremony because to me, as much as I've grown up always wanting to be an Olympian and I still stand by the fact I can make the Australian curling team one day, but <laughs> I would move hell and high water to be in that opening ceremony. Colin, you nearly made the Seoul Olympics. <laughs> you would have yes. been in the opening <laughs> ceremony, so... <laughs> Well, I, I just wanted to say I I felt especially it felt like maybe at least a third of the Russian athletes weren't there for hmm. some reason. Like I they seemed much smaller in comparison, but I wasn't sure what was going on with that. Yeah, um, it, it did kind of like I I did notice at the end too that I was almost struggling looking around, saying, "Okay, well, where are the athletes, or where does this end?" Because it didn't seem like it was as full. And maybe it's just a bigger stadium. I don't know. Maybe that's one of the reasons why athletics isn't being there. It's just a larger stadium or whatever. But um, the stage itself could have been, you know, smaller too. That would obviously make the rest of the field look bigger. So, um, yeah, I I did notice that as well, though. They couldn't afford the insurance. Um, They could only pay a certain amount of people to enter the stadium. That's their budget only covered a certain amount. Jared, I heard on the uh, Watch the News tonight when they sort of, you know, going behind the scenes of the Australian team and all that sort of stuff, and there were calls for them to have the opening ceremony a night earlier so that everybody could march. I don't know if that would change anything. Uh, People still wouldn't go. I mean, that's, that's such a typical, like... Australian thing to do to be like, I'll change it for us. I mean, that'd suit us better. <laughs> I suppose every country kind of does that, but it's just like people still wouldn't have done it. It was fine. Um, I'm the same as you. Even if I was competing the next day, I probably would have gone in March anyway. Um, it's the athlete's decision. I mean, if they really want to march, then just go. I mean, exactly. people stay up late all the time. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, Jared I'm not. Spoken. People, people will find out throughout the course of this. I'm not a fan of Michael Phelps. Um, personally, but the fact that you know this is the first time he's ever been at an opening ceremonies, you know, appropriate that he would have to be the flag bearer. You know, even though the guy retires and comes out of retirement more than <laughs> certain unnamed football players or quarterbacks. Um, but the the fact is, there's a guy who's probably the most famous American Olympian of all time now, or at least the most successful. I don't want to say most famous, but. It's the first time in, what, five Olympics that he's been there for an opening ceremonies. Hmm. It's fascinating. Um, but, 
Yeah, I just, I don't know, to me that would be just such a part of being an Olympian, you know, is walking out into that stadium behind your country's flag and just having that moment. So, as Jared said, people stay up late all the time, deal with it. <laughs> now, the the lighting of the torch, uh, again, always pretty much the most anticipated part of it, you know, it's always who's going to light it, how's it going to be done, you know, obviously Sydney, you know, it was celebration of women in the Olympics and it went with Kathy and the big, huge ufo dish up the water that's still apparently trying to rise in athens you had the giant cigarette that sort of rose up um beijing you had the guy running on the the roof of the stadium with the big paper torch london you had those weird little cigarette ashtray things that formed a giant torch i know i've missed all the winter olympics but we're talking about some ones here this time we had three people who then lit a witch's brew cauldron that rose up in front of some wind chimes um this was such an anticlimactic end to a torch relay. I mean, this has been run by thousands of people around Brazil. It was lit in Olympia months ago. You know, it's travelled the world. And I was just waiting to see three ladies with crooked noses around it going, Toil, toil, trial, trouble. Ah, ah, ah. Like Thomas Bach was there, like <laughs> counting. <laughs> Eye of Newt. Um, but... It was so disappointing. I mean, I was. It was great to see. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Vandalai de Lima, um, who, of course, famously was leading the marathon in Athens 12 years ago. Was tackled by that crazed Irish protester guy who also ran onto the track. I remember at the 2003 British Grand Prix, nearly got killed. If only he had of, then Vandalai would have won a gold medal. Um, he went on to win the bronze, of course. Got the Pierre de Coubertin Award. Um, so I think it was kind of fitting that he got to light it. Of course, apparently the big rumour was Pelé was meant to light the cauldron, mm-hmm. but he fell ill. Um, and also in the stadium, we like should mention... Day of, we should also mention that. Day yeah. of, he apparently pulled out. Yeah, which, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, you know, <laughs> Brazil doesn't really get to host the Olympics that often. <laughs> um, and he's <laughs> like the greatest Brazilian to ever be a Brazilian, and he pulls out. Next so. to Giselle, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, and Hortensia Marcari um, was the second one. And, of course, then we all saw Guga, Gustavo Curtin, who walked into the stadium, bawling his eyes out. I love that. That was such a great image. That was the best image of this whole cauldron, because I found it was boring as batshit. Colin, what did you think of it? Um, yeah, well, it's always fun to see, you know, who the athletes are, even if you aren't familiar with them and the commentators can kind of give the story like, oh, this guy was attacked or whatever. That's great. Uh, this was kind of ruined again by the Canadian commentators. The, I think they were, everybody knew that Pelé wasn't going to be doing it at that point, but they still assumed there was another person to come. So when Vanderlei de Lima or whatever, when, when he was going up the stairs, they actually, one of the commentators actually said, and whoever he hands it off to at the top of the stairs will light the torch. And then he kept going and lit the torch. And there's just this very long silence. And only when the torch is like half raised up, they're like, and the cauldron has been lit. <laughs> just ignore the fact. Built up this anticipation. There's got to be something bigger than him who's going to do this. It's just very awkward. <laughs> I kind of remember that, um, I mean, London, obviously, that was a whole big debate, and it ended up, what, being future athletes, and then, um, I don't even... Why wasn't it Mr. Bean? Like, come on, <laughs> he's the star of that ceremony. I don't even remember who it was in Beijing, but, of course, it was the uh, the, the runner guy in Athens, and then, of course, Kathy, Kathy, Kathy Freeman in Sydney. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of, it was... 
it was, I was a little bit that, like, it was when they handed it to him and they mentioned, like, I didn't know him by just looking at him, but as soon as they said who he was, I was like, oh, I remember that guy. But um, I was kind of, because it was just, it was so anticlimactic, because when he put something like, oh, yeah, there's going to be, yeah, like, somebody else that's going to rise up and, you know, Palais actually there, surprise! Um, <laughs> but I, I actually, can I just point out, I have no disrespect to Palais, he's a legend of the world, he's amazing, he's God to Brazil. But I remember seeing Muhammad Ali standing on that that stage in Atlanta. The guy was, you know, obviously not entirely healthy, but he stood there and he did it. He did America proud. Why couldn't Pelé pull a Muhammad Ali, everybody? Come on. Just want to put it out there and be rude to Pelé. Uh, Jared, what did you think of the whole cauldron lighting? Um, the best thing about it was the ring-up, the backup choice. Um, that was good. I appreciated the... Um it was him um but yeah, apart from that yeah a bit kind of lackluster um i suppose i get now why they did it from colin the whole environmental thing but i don't know if the australian commentators really touched on that um i was expecting to see a flaming soccer ball kicked into the torch <laughs> or whatever or a flaming volleyball or something <laughs> flaming Giselle. along those lines that we didn't get <laughs> Giselle rips yeah, off her dress. Giselle's shoes with matches on, on it. She flashes. She lifts up a top. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, or even like something, I suppose, more environmental, like a tree, but I suppose burning a tree has certain issues. That's probably sending the wrong message. Um, yeah, it, it could have been better, but um, good choice of the marathon runner. I would have liked to seen Jaws come up on a uh, cable car <laughs> scaling yes. the roof. <laughs> Well, I kept waiting for, you know, the great Moonraker reference of <laughs> the Rio opening ceremonies, and we didn't get it. Yes, exactly. We got the Judy Dench reference. That's enough Bond for um, the yeah. Brazil Olympics. Um, but, yeah, that was the opening ceremony, and it's interesting, apparently, as well, they're kind of taking a leaf out of uh, Vancouver and Sochi and not having the cauldron at the... They're going to have it, like, in the main sort of public area where you can view it. I don't like that. I, I like the, the flame over the stadium. Like, that's kind of traditional. It's always good for the television shots when you've got, you know, Usain Bolt winning with the flame in the background. Like, it's symbolic of oh, the Olympics. He's not running there. That's the problem. Oh, that's true. Sorry. <laughs> Neymar winning the gold for Brazil in the Macarena. Or the Macarena Stadium. Just call it the Macarena <laughs> Stadium. It's the Macarena <laughs> Stadium. Um... But, I mean, does that bother you, Colin, or don't give a shit? <laughs> no, I, I, I actually just want to say I really like the giant spinning structure they have around the cauldron there. Um, but at the same time, I find that that is kind of distracting because the flame is smaller and everything. And with that giant spinning structure from the wrong angle, you can't tell there's a flame there at all. I think that's the only issue I have. Jared, anything to add? Well, don't really care. Yeah, with the spinning structure... I thought that was cool. Uh, it did look weird from the side. They kind of showed it the side angle of it to, I suppose, give you some depth of how it looked, but then it just looked weird, and it, in my head, I'm like, go back to the front. And then, yeah, I agree. It was kind of hard to see the flame, and it felt like it was sitting a little bit too low, and it was bothering me. should have mm. been a metre or two higher in the centre. Thomas Bach should have gotten his broomstick and just rose it up. <laughs> <a little> <laughs> rise the flame! Rise it! Rise! <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get sick of that joke in about a week's time, people. 
<laughs> so just uh, a few things though. Well, that's the opening ceremony. Uh, really, now we're going to touch on a little bit, I guess, on day one and a few other things quickly. Because I mean, at the time we're recording this, literally day one has begun. So we're going to be aiming to do an episode every day. So you're kind of going to get two in a day almost from us today because we delayed this a little bit. But we'll look ahead to day one. Hopefully you'll listen to this before you listen to what happened on day one. Um, but just really quickly before we get to day one, I think one key thing of note that we should mention in terms of just the Olympics and news in general is the fact that um, they had a vote this week uh, for new sports to be included in the Olympic Games in Tokyo in four years' time. Now, generally, you know, they, they will, they'll add one or two. Uh, sports Like this year, obviously, golf and uh, rugby are returning back to the Olympics. We haven't really touched on that, but if you didn't know that, hey, golf and rugby are coming back to the Olympics. Uh, so we're back to 28 sports. Come again in four years' time. We've got about 87 sports because not only have they included uh, baseball and softball returning for the first time since uh, Beijing, of course, we have the debut, the debut sports of karate, skateboarding, surfing, and whatever the hell sport climbing is. So we have got six basically new sports coming into the Olympics, although technically two of them are returning. I I had no idea that they could include this many. I, I thought, like, they were meant to be saving money with the Olympics. I'm kind of glad Hobart's not hosting the Olympics now in four years because I have no idea. Like, sport climbing maybe up Mount Wellington. We couldn't have surfing in Tasmania. Like, seriously, I'll jump in the ocean and it'll create a wave. That's how you'd do it. I don't know. But, Jared, like... Baseball, softball, yes, okay, great. Karate, yes, okay, it's, you know, up there with taekwondo and judo, like, do with it what you want. Skateboarding, yeah, I guess it's no different to snowboarding at the Winter Olympics. It's there for the kids and all that sort of stuff and hip, but sport climbing? What is sport climbing? And and surfing, is that an Olympic sport? I don't know. Yeah, it's questionable. I feel like the Olympics should be the pinnacle of what, of whatever sports are being represented and... Is the Olympics the pinnacle of sport climbing? Well, maybe, but nobody knows what it even is. I think they just invented um, the sport. I think they literally sat down like, let's invent sport climbing. <laughs> I mean, squash has been snubbed again, which is a travesty, and that's <laughs> happening every Olympics. Um, I think they should probably just give up and invent a new type of squash. Call it, call it something else. Leave it squash. Squash climbing. It, yeah, squash climbing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, I have no idea what the hell, like, is this, like, rock climbing on acid? Like, I, I don't know. Have it, you that's what it looks like, yeah. It's it, basically rock it right now, sport climbing. So, Colin, what's your thoughts on this? I actually, in a way, have more of an issue with surfing because I just don't understand how logistically this works. Does this mean that they're going to have to build or they're going to do this in some type of man-made, you know, wave pool? Or are we only ever going to be able to have Olympics in places, you know, right by the ocean with a beach, like are, are summer Olympics going to have to go away from any location that doesn't have great waves? Mm. Um, and how do you control that? Because isn't a lot of that to do with the tide and everything? I just don't understand how it's even going to work. Uh, I I don't know if it'll ever happen, but if chess becomes a sport, <laughs> I'm in. Um, <laughs> let's just start taking votes for sports that should be included. Uh, chess, for one. Um we PlayStation. got you know, PlayStation surfing is way easier to control than the I'll tide is. With that. <laughs> Kelly Slater's pro surfing or whatever it was. Um, I had a question though: Are they eliminating any sports at the same time? 
Apparently not. No, these are just all being included. So they're all new, and according to what I'm seeing right now, no sports are getting the flick. They're just making a lot more sports to watch. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, apparently wrestling was originally going to be kicked out. It was. But um, oh, then it got added to the list of sports that could be voted in. So well, that was, I think, a year ago. Yeah, it was about <laughs> a year or so ago that happened because there was a huge big controversy over that because like, that was one of the original ancient Olympic sports. And, um, yeah. you know, we talked about that the other day, but we'll get to that when it starts. <laughs> it's yeah, just... I'm, uh, I'm all for adding new sports if they make sense. I think skateboarding makes sense. The X Games really has become so big that you know it's influenced the winter olympics obviously a lot um it's it's appropriate that it's uh, affecting the summer ones and it's something you can control and it's something that is very athletic uh it's spectacular to watch i don't understand surfing uh i don't understand how it would be fun to watch because aren't they usually only up for about like 10 seconds or something like that like it's mm. and you don't control the waves like i i i want to do more research before commenting but it just does not make any sense to me you're just saying that because canada doesn't know what surfing is you know that australia <laughs> is probably going to win a shitload of gold medals in surfing because we're up there with america as the best in the world i think we like hey we're right we have hawaii TSN- with it <laughs> We have TSN 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. I'll be doing plenty of surfing this week. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but we've uh, got uh, seven, mate. Seven, mate. Yes, exactly. That's the surfing network in Australia. We'll be surfing between seven and seven, mate. Seven, for bro. For the next two weeks. Seven, dude. Seven, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think we could all also agree, like baseball and softball, I don't know why they got rid of it in the first place. I always thought they were legitimate Olympic sports. I mean, obviously Japan, I mean... I think they're well, pretty much, them and Cuba are the baseball kings of the world, even more so than America, and that's technically what their national pastime. I mean, Japan is baseball crazy. I don't think there's any way that you could go back to Tokyo and not have it, so maybe that's the reason why. Maybe they're just going to, th- th- this was their way to please the Japanese here. Uh, as soon as <laughs> Tokyo is over, they're like, we're sorry, softball, <laughs> it's out again. Yes. Uh, so we've now got four years to learn what sport climbing is. Um, so, again, they've probably just invented it. This could be a sport all three of us could have a crack at actually making the Olympics with because it's new. It's like, you know, uh, basketball. Like, they just invented it. Like, <laughs> they were drunk in their driveway one night. They combined, like, a bunch of sports together. No, thanks, I'm uh, pumped because when stair climbing becomes a sport, then <laughs> I'm already at Olympic level. When sleeping becomes an Olympic sport, I'm there. <laughs> I will be up there with the best in the world. So, um, <laughs> yes, well, interesting news for the week. So look forward to those sports uh, coming in Tokyo. But day one is here. Uh, get excited. We don't have to... Uh, oh, Thomas Mark's still going. Um, but uh, a lot of sports happening on day one. They're happening right now as we're recording. Now, Colin, I don't know if you're, you can give us maybe a Canadian perspective of what sports you might make the semifinals in. But we have um, a few here according to the Australian preview um, that obviously our big one, Jared, today is the 4 by 100 metres in the swimming, our female swimmers defending our gold medal from London. Uh, we're the favourites in that. Uh, we've also got Mac Horton. Mac, that's his name, Mac. 
Um, in the 400 meter freestyle chance for medal there we've got the men's road race Tassie's own Richie Port he's in with a shot of a medal chance there could celebrate a Tasmanian medal on day one not just an Australian one uh, this rowing taking place with a couple of Aussies going on in there and Melissa Tapper uh, table tennis when we were talking a little bit about this off air Jared uh, she's becoming the first Australian to take part in an Olympics and a Paralympics uh, she was born with brachial plexus when she tore the nerves between her neck and right shoulder. Uh, competed in the London Paralympics 2012 and obviously has uh, trained long and hard and has qualified for the uh, the Olympics as well. So good on you um, there, young Melissa. I will be looking forward to that. And also, quickly, Australian perspective too, Jared. The Boomers and the Opals are playing in the basketball, the Matildas. Uh, we lost to Canada the other day. We can talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> yes, already we're losing to Canada in the Olympics. We played Germany and both the Kookaburras and the Hockey Roos play in the hockey. Jared, for Australia, we could win a couple of medals today. We're excited. Oh, don't we know it? I mean, Bruce has already packed up that medal from the 4x100 relay. He did. Um, he's done the classic commentator's jinx. Um, so if we lose that, we know who to blame there. Um, yeah, it's a good opening day for Australia. I think there are some chances. I mean, maybe I don't rate us as high in that relay as Bruce, um, but it does seem like we are the favourites. So uh, fingers crossed. Colin, do you have any Canadian uh, events to look forward to today? Well, there's lots of rowing going on right now. I'm I'm talking to you so i can't watch it uh, so i don't know how we're doing so by the time this airs i i may be embarrassed but i mean rowing is basically the equivalent of what hockey and speed skating is for us in the winter olympics rowing we always dominate so uh expecting a lot of that but you mentioned soccer uh, we beat australia playing <laughs> zimbabwe did. today we won the bronze in um london so the Canadian women's soccer team, big, big uh, hopes here for Canada. Probably one of the biggest stories we've had, and that's what uh, everybody's going to be watching today, I think. We should mention, too, Neil, great win. Um, I actually went to bed at about 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, when, and I sort of looked, oh, shit, that started. And you guys had scored a goal within 20 seconds. Uh, so go back and watch the highlights of that and the Matildas have been talked up as a potential medal chance well not when we go down within 20 seconds of the opening game so uh, Canada already won against Australia Neil in these Olympics we should mention though there are 12 gold medals actually being decided on day one so we have the cycling men's road race um, the first uh, medal will be decided in the women's 10 metre air rifle aren't we all looking forward to that um, there's actually an article on our beloved news.com.au. I don't, I no longer walk, work for that organization, so I can rip shit into them again. Um, but they had an article, the easiest sports to win Olympic medals in. That was literally their article. And they claimed that archery and shooting were the easiest sports to win in because anyone can train and be good enough to win gold in those. So I would love to get a shooter on this show to perhaps find that journalist and see if they agree with that. Um, Other medals being decided today, the men's 10-metre air pistol is going on, the women's 48-kilogram judo, oh, we're looking forward to that one, the the men's team archery is being decided today. Actually, I like archery. It's quite fun to watch. Um, More judo, men's 60-kilogram going on today as well. Uh, Fencing, the women's individual epee, 
Um, I wonder how Miranda Frost will go in that one. Um, and <laughs> there's another Die Another Day reference. And the uh. women's 48-kilogram weightlifting. Wow, that's right up there. And, of course, swimming. Men's 400-metre individual medley. The men's 400 freestyle. The women's 400 individual medley. And, as we mentioned, the 4 by 100 freestyle relay. Uh, do we want to make any predictions for the women's individual epe? Anybody? Uh, <laughs> who's going to win that? I'm going to say France. <laughs> so, that's about all I can tell. Although I'm looking here at some athletes uh, currently going on right now. Here's some live updates. Raissa Costa of Brazil is leading Tiffany Gerardot of Switzerland, 15-13. So... Oh, spoilers! <laughs> sorry if anybody's listening to this like two hours after we've recorded this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, exciting times. We're gonna we're gonna come back tomorrow and talk about day one. We'll find out who won the women's individual FA. Will it be Racer Costa? Watch this space. I really hope she does well uh, <laughs> for Brazil. Uh, Colin, I guess from hearing what else is going on there, anything that you're looking forward to outside of a Canadian perspective on day one, or are you just happy that day one's here? I'm so happy day one's here. I can't wait to start watching it uh, and. Yeah, this is going to be my entire weekend and then the rest of the week. I don't know how I'm going to get by having to go to work in the next week because there's just so much to watch. (laughs) Work? Just quit my job. (laughs) I quit because the Olympics are on. Jared, what what are you looking forward to outside of uh, Bruce uh, jinxing us into winning the silver in the 4x100m relay? Um, Or probably the archery. I think the road race too. I think that'll be fun to see depending on how it finishes. I'm hoping it'll be a... A bunch sprint at the end is always exciting to watch. So if we get a good finish to that, that'd be perfect. I'm definitely looking forward to who will get their gold medal stripped from the eight years for testing positive for drugs. So um, <laughs> bring on the men's road race. Uh, now, just uh, before we go, we are on iTunes now. Uh, we've already got one rating. So thank you for that one person. We appreciate that. Um, I'll pat myself on the back later for leaving that. Uh, so subscribe did to you, us on iTunes. Did you check to see what the rating was before you thanked it was them? Five, it was five stars. It was five stars. There it was we a go. positive okay. one. Yes. It was like one star. It's like, thank you. Yes. We will try harder. It was okay. <laughs> we have an email address now. Yay. Uh, off the podium at hotmail.com if you wish to give us your thoughts or just say hello or if you're Thomas Bark. Um, tell us how to count on your cauldron. Um, and Facebook, facebook.com forward slash uh, off the podium podcast. I think we're up to about seven likes now. So uh, aiming for double digits by episode three. Uh, so, yes, thank you. But yeah, we'll be back. Send us in anything and we will recap the results. Look ahead. And Colin, I think you had, I'm putting you on the spot here because I think you were going to prepare something, but I don't know if you did or not. The apps, we should quickly mention, um, there's an Australian team app. You've got a Canadian team app. And on the Canadian team app, you've got little facts about your athletes, which are very fascinating. Yeah, yeah the official Team Canada app um, has... They actually had the athletes fill out questionnaires, like kind of like you're in school and you have to write it out by hand, questions and everything. So I don't think I'll cover one today. Uh, Maybe we'll see if uh, we can pick certain athletes on certain days they compete. But there's some questions in there about the sport, but then there's some funny questions in there like, you know, what's your favorite guilty pleasure food? If you were a superhero, who would you be? Things like that. 
So <laughs> some of these are pretty good. So we'll go over those maybe daily if we can find an athlete each day. Well, I found an exciting thing here on the Australia one, Jared. I know we don't necessarily have one exciting, but we have a section on here called Fan Messages where you can send messages to your favorite athletes. And they've actually got it published. Otherwise you known can... as Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Jared, do you remember back in the day, what was it, Herogram? You used to be able to send the athletes in the Sydney Olympics. Do you remember those? Mm, yep. Yep, good. <laughs> it existed. We got the confirmation. Yep. Uh, but these these are literally just scrolling through here. So uh, Riley from WA writes to Patrick Mills, our basketballer, I hope you win. Uh, <laughs> thought about that one long and hard. Um, oh, he's a Tasmanian. Isabel from Tasmania writes to Alana Boyd, I hope you go well in Rio. Well, at least she's got the right Olympics. I have been learning about you at school. I will be watching you in the Rio Olympics. Your sport is very cool. Good luck. That's nice. Um, Anybody over the age of five do this? Well, here's one from Matilda in WA. I am six years old. I hope you do good. Good luck. That's to Kate Campbell. Uh, to Scott Bowden from Aubrey Miller in Queensland. Good luck. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> best <laughs> advice ever. Yep. Uh, and finally, this is the best one from another Aubrey in Queensland to Bronte Barrett. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> She thought about and that. There one goes our seven likes, <laughs> all taken back. So download the official Canadian and Australian team apps via the uh, Apple and Android store and wherever it is. Uh, thanks for tuning in. By the way, if, if if Aubrey, the six-year-old, wants to write into off the podium, we would like <laughs> some advice too. We often hurt ourselves on this show. We want to hear good luck. Yes, Please, all yeah. the six-year-olds, write us. If you have a if a fan message to send to us, you know we're we're competing for the next two weeks. Like we we're, we're not like swimmers; we don't compete for a week and then get a week off. We're here for for sixteen days on our butts, speaking into a it microphone, coming mm. up with Thomas Bach jokes been at every the day. Ceremony, we would have yeah. been there exactly, yeah, exactly. And if we had money, we would be in Brazil right now, but we don't. So if you have money and want to send us to Brazil, we will happily do it. But we might miss a couple of days in recording. Whatever. If you have any Thomas Bark jokes, please email them through to us. Um, we will appreciate it. Colin, thank you for your time. And go Canada for making goals against Zimbabwe. Yes. And we're sorry that we haven't won as much as Australia. Our apologies. Yes. So you should be. Andrew Gaze is disappointed. Jared, uh, thank you for your time. And thank you for reminding us that people should stay up late and should get over it. No problem. That's going to be a constant theme this Olympics if you're living in Australia. And in the meantime, um, all our best to Aruba, Jamaica, and our favourite country of the Olympics coming up. Oh, I want to take you. Good night from off the podium. The number of the day is four. Ah, 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 ah. Ah, one, two, three. The whole still here for me. One, two, three. Four, uh, no, one, two. Oh, I go absolutely bad at counting fast. <laughs> one, two, three, four. Uh, no, no, come back here. One, oh.